teacher down in Texas. Is that correct? That's great. I appreciate you being here tonight. First Corinthians chapter three. Hold your place there. Um, We're going to come back. Well, we'll switch to John 15 here in just a minute, but we'll begin in first Corinthians chapter three. But sure. Good to be back. I appreciate uh, many of you praying and and, uh, it's good to see some of you that were sick that are feeling better as well. I know that there were several that had gotten sick and uh, praise the Lord for that. Um, but it's, it's good to be back to, to church tonight and uh, appreciate Pastor Parker did an outstanding job. It's good to, when we're not here to be able to watch the service. I enjoyed that, uh, being able to hear the messages, but wonderful messages. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. But it is certainly good to be back tonight. Um, still struggling a little bit with my voice and coughing a little bit, but I'm past... Uh, being contagious, so I'm not going to give you anything. At least I hope not. No, I don't, I'm not going to give you anything tonight. Um, feeling much better. Praise the Lord for that. And so is Charity. Um, appreciate your prayers. Our, our daughters did not seem to get this this time. I don't know what why. This is our, our second bout for us of COVID, just so you guys understand what we went through. And some people say, you've had it four or five times now, haven't you? No, no, this is just our second time. We've had colds and flus that have gone through like everybody else, but officially COVID, this was our second time, and it was definitely better than the first time. It took us about a week to get through it. Um, the first time, it took us over two weeks, and so it was much better, um, and so we do praise the Lord for that. Um, and um, I'm glad to be able to be back in the pulpit tonight. And so good to see all of you here and, and excited what God has for us here. And um, tonight, I want us to clean um, on Wednesday nights. Um, and, um, but I want to continue looking at the, the subject of spiritual maturity and growing. Um, we've talked about what spiritual maturity is. Our first week we looked at it. We discussed some of the hindrances uh, to spiritual maturity, things um, that would hinder us, um, that, that would be friends in the world, people from the past, um, memories of the past, things that you've gotten involved in before you got saved, or things that would pull you back into the world, hindrances, um, ungodly brothers and sisters in Christ that will hinder you in your growth, um, some of the things that we've looked at, some of the things that would challenge us from growing. And um, we looked at so the, last, the last time we met um, on looking at this, we looked at symptoms of spiritual immaturity and, and kind of warning signals of, of how to tell if we are immature, if we're not growing the way that we should. Well, tonight, I want us to go a step further, and I want to consider what, what, needs, uh, what is needed for us to grow uh, spiritually or to mature spiritually. What is needed what are the foundations? It's a very simple message, but I think it's important that we're building blocks. We're looking at this um, and really uh, trying to make sure that we understand how to grow and the basic needs for spiritual growth. Um, and so tonight, I want us to look at this. And as we begin to consider our growth to spiritual maturity, we must first lay some foundation upon which to build. And I want to begin by looking here what the, the, the Apostle Paul told us as the foundation uh, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse number 10. Notice what it says. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. There's a foundation, the Apostle Paul says. He's talking to the church there at Corinth, and by the grace of God, he says, I've given, that was given unto me a, a, as a wise master builder. I've laid a foundation, and, and he was there, and he went there as a missionary and began that church, and he laid a firm foundation. And obviously, he says what it is that it's Jesus Christ was the foundation, and he said, Others built thereon. 
In other words, there was a, a pastor that came along after him and continued to build on that. And there was a building that took, took place as far as the building of spiritual growth there at the church at Corinth. But there's something here that I want you to notice. He says at the end of verse number 10, he says, But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. In other words, you can be a part of a church where the preacher is preaching the Word of God. He's giving the foundation truth from the Word of God. And there, there can be a teacher that teaches the truth. There's a continuation of teaching and training, discipleship that's going on. But you must make a decision personally. It says, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Here's the thing. I can preach about growing, but I can't make you grow. I can preach about the foundation of what we are to build upon. And we can present the truth from the Word of God. But when it comes down to actual spiritual growth, you have to choose whether you're going to build. You have to choose whether you're going to grow. You have to make a decision. And it says, let every man take heed. And I'm challenging you tonight. Take heed how you're building thereupon. Are you growing spiritually? And obviously the foundation that the Apostle Paul is talking about here, verse 11, for the foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so let's have a word of prayer tonight. And I want to talk about this. I want to jump from that thought into our, our text tonight in John chapter 15. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that truly as the, the foundation has been laid, Lord, you've laid it. You've laid it down before us, and Lord, in this church, the foundation, the solid rock upon which we stand is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would take heed, that we would truly build there upon that, that we would grow. And Lord, that we would have a church that's filled with maturing Christians, growing Christians, continually growing and maturing and becoming stronger. Lord, bearing much fruit. I pray that you'd just challenge our hearts tonight. Meet with us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn now, if you would, over to John chapter 15. and Let's look at here. This is going to be our main text for tonight. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I want to begin in verse number 1. Notice what it says there. John 15 and verse number 1. If you found your place there, would you say amen tonight? I can't hear the pages. My ears are a little bit clogged, so I can't tell if you're turning there or not, but I'm assuming you are, so you said amen. So look at verse number one. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. You need to really underline that in your mind tonight. Underline that you're thinking. This verse right here, that talking about bringing forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Look at verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear, what's the next two words? Much fruit. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my, what's the next word? 
Disciples, let me ask you tonight, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? I'm challenging you with that thought. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you glorifying God with your life? Now let's continue reading. Look at verse number 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. How many of y'all want your joy to be full tonight? Amen. Every one of us, if we truly are being honest, we want for our joy to be full. Every one of us, if we, we love God, we want God to be glorified in our life. Every one of us, we want to see God bear fruit in our life. Now, I want to ask you tonight, do you really want to see God? And you don't have to respond out loud, but I want to just challenge you to think about this. Do you really want God to bear fruit in your life? Do you want God to be glorified? Do you want God to be pleased with your life? Do you want God to, to give you this thing he's talking about here, about his joy, having a joy do you really want to, you know, as a, as a child of God? And so I, I, I want to challenge you with this tonight. And the first thing I want us to notice here, and it's going to seem really basic, but I think it's so important. We're talking about growing spiritually, our growth to spiritual maturity. The first thing we have to understand is this, according to this passage, is that spiritual growth is founded on our union with Jesus Christ. It's founded on our union with Jesus Christ. Now, this might seem like something like, you know what, we've talked about this so many times before. Why are we talking about it again? Obviously, we need to be united with Christ. We need to be one with Christ. We need to be born again. We need to be a child of God. There's no doubt that that's true. But, you know, it's important that we start with that because, you know, there's a lot of people today that they, they, they're not growing spiritually because this problem has not been taken care of in their life. They've never been truly saved. And, and, and one of the indicators is because there's never been any fruit in their life. They've never grown spiritually. They have some uh, profession of faith because of some words that they said, but there's never really ever been a change in their life. They've never been born again. They've never been made alive spiritually. It's important that we understand that the foundation of us growing spiritually is we have to be saved to begin with. We have to be one with Christ. We have to be born again. We have to be made alive spiritually. There's a lot of people that struggle with that. Now, that's on one spectrum. You've got these people over here that, that they're never growing spiritually because they've never been saved. And then we have to be careful also. There's people that are over here that they've been truly born again saved, but they're still trying to earn their salvation. You say, can that happen? Absolutely it can happen. You know, there are some people that believe that they have to continually produce in order to make sure that they stay saved. And so they struggle with their salvation. Now, let me ask you this tonight. You can raise your hand if you want to. You ever struggled with your assurance of salvation? Raise your hand. You ever struggled with it? I did. I struggled with it many times when I was young. I haven't struggled with it lately, praise the Lord, right? But when I was young, I'll tell you what, I struggled with it. There was times I, and I finally, I, I nailed it down. I, I, I went forward. I was at camp. By the way, praise the Lord for a good godly camp young people go to. I would encourage your mom and dad, encourage your kids to go to camp. God can speak to kids' hearts in ways that sometimes he never can otherwise. Because it's an opportunity to get away from the world, get away from the work, get away from everything that's going on, 
and to be focused in on a spiritual setting where God is speaking to hearts. And in those messages, it's a building as the Holy Spirit works. That's just a side note for camp. I think it's a, a really a, a, an amazing opportunity for young people. It had a great impact in my life. I remember I, was t- I went to camp and I went forward because I didn't have assurance of salvation. And I, that, that night, I, I, I got the assurance of my salvation. Now, I say assurance because I didn't get saved that night. I got saved when I was five years old, but that night I nailed it down and I got the assurance of my salvation because I was struggling with that. And as a result of that, it was hindering my growth. If you don't get it nailed down in your life that you're a child of God and you absolutely know you're on your way to heaven, you're not going to grow spiritually. The devil wants to keep you that way. You keep going like this in circles and you're never going to grow spiritually. So it's important that we begin with this, this, this first point here we're looking at tonight, that spiritual growth is founded on our union with Jesus Christ. Are you born again? Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? And in this setting tonight, people that are here, you're either saved and on your way to heaven, and you know it 100% sure. You're either lost and on your way to hell, and you're denying that truth. And you're not allowing God to really speak to your heart, or you've turned it off so many times. Or you're saved and on your way to heaven, and you're struggling with assurance of salvation. And I'm saying you need to get that nailed down tonight. Nail it down once for all. There's some people in the world today, though, that they, they would talk about spiritual maturity. You know, the, the, there's a lot of these Eastern religions that people talk about. They talk about spirituality. People talk about growing spiritually. That's not what we're talking about here at all. We're talking about growing as a child of God spiritually. And so we need to, re, we need to understand this. From the very moment of union with Christ, spiritual growth begins. At the very moment that you were born again, there was spiritual growth that began in your life. And you ought to be able to go back and see that. There ought to be an indicator of that in your life. You ought to be able to see and know that you're a child of God and that you have been born again. And if you're ever going to grow spiritually, you've got to nail that down in your life. I've seen it happen many times. People have struggled with that. They finally nailed that down. I've seen people that have had uh, in their Bible, they wrote it down, nailed it down, wrote it down 100%. God says, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. And I think it's important that we have that nailed down. I think it's inc- I would encourage you to make sure of that tonight. If we're talking about spiritual growth, you're never going to grow spiritually until you get past that. So you're past that. I'm a child of God. I know I'm saved. So let's move on to this next thing. I want you to look at verse number 2 once again. Look what it says there. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. The second thing I want us to notice here is that spiritual growth is maintained by the Father's cultivation. It is maintained by the Father's cultivation. Who is the husbandman? God. It says it right there. Jesus says it right there. Who's the vine? This is intended to try to get you guys work, you know, kind of plugged in what's going on. Who's the vine? Jesus. Who are the branches? We are. I remember learning a song when I was a kid. We are the branches and he is the vine. You remember those songs? Good to remember stuff like that. But Okay, so we see the pictures of what's going on here. All right, and it says, but verse number two is interesting. Every branch in me that beareth, or that beareth not fruit is taken away. What's meant by that verse? Does that mean that you can be saved and lose your salvation? Who said no? Amen, Edie, I agree with you 100%. Good job. We all ought to be like, no way, that's not true. Why isn't it true? Why is that not the right interpretation of that verse? Help me out. Why? Brother Tim. That's exactly right. We've got to keep it in proper context. It's so important. 
People that want to try to pull things out of context, that's what they'll do. The devil will take something like that and twist it. That's a twisting, there's no doubt. And one of the ways we know for absolute certain, okay, you look at the context, but you also look at the preponderance of Scripture. Does God ever contradict himself? Everybody say no, right? It's true. God does not. Jesus Christ doesn't contradict himself. I want you to turn over. Look at chapter 10 of John. Jump back there. Go to John chapter 10. Look, if you would, at verse number 28. Notice what he says here. John 10, 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And so the subject here that we're looking at in this passage is not talking about you being torn out after being a child of God and being cast into hell. That's not what it's talking about at all. The subject here is fruit bearing. And and when a branch no longer bears fruit, it becomes worthless and it's removed. It's talking about the fact that of, 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 of a person, a, a Christian, being part of the vine and, and, and bearing fruit, and when they're not bearing fruit, then they're removed. Let me give you an instance of this we can see in the Bible. Um, in 1 Corinthians 9.27, listen to what the Apostle Paul said. Listen to what he said now. We're talking about the Apostle Paul, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to write po- approximately one-third of the New Testament. We know him as obviously the missionary that went to Corinth. We just read what, what he did there. and He laid the foundation. Notice what he says here, though, in verse number 9, chapter 9, verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, what's he talking about there? Is he saying that he could lose his salvation? Not at all. What he's saying in there is Paul, he was concerned that his service might become worthless. That he'd no longer bear any fruit. That he no longer would, would be of any uh, of use by God in his, in, in his ministry and for God to be glorified. That's why he maintains self-discipline as not to become a castaway. He was bringing his body under subjection. He was making sure that he wasn't living in the flesh. He was wanting to be led by the Spirit. He was wanting to be empowered by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit. He didn't want to live in the flesh. And, and after he'd gone out and preached and he laid that foundation and people were building upon it, that he finds himself that he ends up being a castaway. You know what? I don't want to be a castaway either. I don't want to be a person that's a child of God, that's been born again, that I'm part of the vine and and God has worked in my life to come to the place where there's no fruit at all and and to wither and to not grow spiritually, to get to the actual place that God would take me and put me on a shelf. I've seen that happen to people. I've seen the people that were at one point in their life, I mean, I've known people that were out there, they were actually planning churches. They got to a place in their life when they got consumed with the things of this world. They got tempted by their old flesh and they ended up getting involved in the wrong things. And before you know it, man, they were put up on a shelf and they were miserable even to be in church. I don't want to be that person. It says here, Then every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And so... Here we see that before you get to that place, there's a purging that takes place. That word there, purges, that simply means to prune. It's talking about cutting off the old dead stuff. You see, God just doesn't take a person that, that, okay, here we are, we're serving God, and all of a sudden we end up over here, we're not producing fruit anymore, and so God just takes you and gets rid of you. Or God says, no longer am I going to use you. God just doesn't take you and put you in that place right off the bat. God, God, He'll go through and He'll prune you. 
He'll go through and He'll do some cutting. And the purpose is that we may bring forth more fruit. And there's times when God will prune us. Now, there's times when God will prune us not because we've done anything wrong, but because God knows by pruning us that we can actually produce more fruit. You ever found that out to be true when it comes to trees, or, um, or fruit trees? Or I know it's that way with tomato plants. I know a little bit about that when, when they're starting to grow and the way that you prune them, and you prune them in a certain way because you're trying to produce more fruit and trying to make sure it's not just producing a bunch of green leaves, but you want more flowers because you want more fruit. And so you put some, that plant through some difficulty because you're trying trying to make that fruit, that plant produce more fruit. The same thing is true in our life. There's going to be times when God is going to put us through a, a, a time of shaping, a time of growing in our life. They're necessary. It's important. It's important. And so the, the, the further pruning is to produce a balance between new growth and the production of fruit. And, and it takes the skill and wisdom of the husbandman. We're talking about God there. And he uses that skill and, and, and to distinguish between adequate pruning and too much. You know, that's the thing. God never prunes us too much beyond what we're able to handle or bear. And obviously, we're talking about figuratively here. We're talking about difficulties. You know, see, because there's times in our life, this is, the, this is the application, this is the principle of what we're talking about here. There's times in our life when God, he intervenes in our life and he brings painful experiences sometimes into our life. You look back at your life right now, some of the painful experiences you went through, and you saw God's hand in it. I can tell you ex- examples of that in my own life. Looking back and seeing how God intervened and God put me through. You know, some of the most difficult times in my life I look back at, and I say to myself now, and as I look back at them, I see how God used that to produce fruit in my life that I never would have been able to produce otherwise. God will put us through different times of sorrow. I mean, great sorrow, great difficulties, di- disappointments. God will allow those things to happen. And sometimes it's because we're not producing fruit and He's trying to get our attention. Sometimes it's because He wants to produce more fruit than what we're producing right now. One of the first things that happens sometimes as a Christian when something goes wrong in your life is you say, God, why? You ever been through that time? I have. And I think it's good that we do. I really do. I think it's good that we ask honestly, God, why am I going through this? And I believe that as a result of sin, or there's something that we're not, God, he'll reveal that to us through his word, through the, 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 the moving of the Holy Spirit, conviction in our hearts. But there's times we say, God, why? And there's no answer other than because God knows that's what's best for us at that time. God is putting us through that pruning process because God, he wants for us to produce fruit in our life. He tests us. And here's the thing, though. He never does it beyond what we can bear. What he puts us through, how he prunes us, how he, he, he puts us through that, that trial in our life, it's never beyond what we can bear. When I say we bear, I'm talking about with his help, obviously. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with that temptation or the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. There's going to be times when God will put us through that and and, and we're going to experience sorrow. But He does that in order that we might be able to then grow through that time or perhaps that we might then give glory to God. You know, there's times in our life we get so used to the things the way they are and everything's going well and it seems like God has blessed us and it seems like everything is easy. And sometimes if we're not careful, we start taking the blessings of God for granted. Or sometimes if we're not careful, we start taking responsibility for the blessings of God. 
We start thinking that, it, yeah, it's because of what I am or what I've done. Or, or there's times if we're not careful, we don't pray the way we should because everything's there, everything's good, and we don't thank God the way we should. Or we don't pray for everything that God wants us to pray for. And we begin to get to the place where we have a self-sufficiency and we start to get to the place where we stop relying on God and our faith gets weaker and we, we, we're not growing the way we should. And what does God do? As a wise husbandman, He'll come in and He'll start pruning. He'll allow something to come into our life. You know what? I can tell you what will get you praying real quick is when you're going through a, a storm in your life and you don't have the answer. You don't know what to do. And what's so sad is sometimes we, it takes us getting into that storm before we realize, hey, I just need to get, turn my eyes back on God. Getting our eyes back on the Lord and trusting in Him. And, and sometimes God will allow that to happen because we have, we have not been trusting the way we should. Or perhaps maybe God will allow that to happen to test our faith, to try our faith, so that it will cause our faith to grow in our life. Sometimes God will allow it to happen because God wants us to understand. Understand what? Sorrow. You know, a lot of people hurt. You know, God might allow you to go through some sorrow in your life just for the fact of God delivering you through that, God giving the peace through that, that you can then help somebody else that goes through that same sorrow sometime down the road. God will use that. The Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. I can say from my heart that I understand these verses. Because there's things I've been through in my life when I see somebody else going through something similar, I can say I understand. And I'm able to help them and encourage them in a way that I would never be able to do otherwise. I'm sure if we were to ask tonight, there's several of you that say, yes, I know. There's some of you that know what it's like to lose a husband, to lose a wife. You know what it's like to lose a child. There's some things I've never experienced that some of you have gone through, and you can understand it. And, and when people go through that, to be able to encourage and help them. And I can tell you, God will allow us to go through some of those things. And sometimes we say, why, God? We don't understand. But we must remember, though, he's the, He is the husbandman. He is the one that's the wise. He is our creator. He knows what's best for us in our life. And our faith grows as we trust in Him. We become stronger and we're able to bear fruit we never would have been able to bear otherwise. Never would have been able to bear that fruit if we hadn't gone through that. Thirdly, Spiritual growth is dependent upon our abiding in Christ. It's all dependent upon our abiding in Christ. Now, what do I mean by abiding? I think the best way to get a definition for this is to look at Scripture. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. Notice what it says about abiding. Great definition. 1 John 3, 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us, by the Spirit which He hath given us. Here we see, He that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him, and hereby we know that we ab He abideth in us by the Spirit that He hath given us. And so the focus of attention is on the words of Christ, first of all. The words of Christ. Focusing on His commandments. Being obedient to what Christ has said. 
And so when we're talking about depending upon abiding in Him, how do we abide in Him? We focus on His words. We listen to His commands. We obey what He tells us to do. That's how we abide in Him. It's, 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 uh, it's not by some special or mystical experience that we abide in Christ. It's not some mystical thing. It's a very simplistic thing, really. It, the Word of God makes it very simple right there. Abiding in Him. Listening to the commandments. Obeying what He tells us to do. Having the Holy Spirit within us. Another passage of Scripture that talks about this. Turn over if you would. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Very familiar passage, but I want you to look at it. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. What do we see here? What's the command that we see here tonight? In these two verses, what command do you see? You see it? What's the command? Help me out. Yeah, be filled with the Spirit. There's the command. It, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy to understand. Be not drunk with wine, where is the nexus, but be ye filled with the Spirit. All right, we're commanded to do that. Does he tell us how to be filled with the Spirit in these verses? Do you see it? Does he tell you how? Does he? How? Or does he show you the result of? Look at it. What he's saying here, and be not drunk with wine, where is his excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves. And I, you know what? It's Yes. The answer is yes to both. Because the, 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 what he's saying here is speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. Yes, doing those things is part of the key to being filled with the Spirit, but it's also not just as a part of the key of being filled with the Spirit, but it's an indicator of being filled with the Spirit. And a person in their life, if, if they are filled with the Spirit, this is the kind of way that they're living. They're speaking to yourself in psalms. What's a psalm? What is it? Okay, it's okay, but specific though. It's more specific than that. What is a psalm? Come on, guys. Word of God. That's right. We got a book of them right inside your Bible. It's the Word of God. Put to song, and we have psalms, obviously, we can go to, but that's not the only ones you can put to song. It's the psalms that we see here. All right, so we know what that, singing hymns and spiritual songs. It's the Word of God literally coming through in our life to where we're actually singing songs of praise from the very Word of God, from the Spirit of God within us. And we have a clear command to be filled with the Spirit. And these things are going to happen in our life. That's why it's important when you come to church, an indicator of whether or not you are filled with the Spirit through the week is when you come to church corporately and we're singing songs unto God. If you're sitting there like a bump on the log and you can't even sing a song of praise, something's wrong. Now, I'm not going to be the judge of it because, you know, God says that man judges the outward appearance, God sees the heart. You can say, well, God sees my heart. But it says singing and making melody. It doesn't mean you have to do a good job singing even. You can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Now, Obviously, this isn't just talking about corporate time, though. This is talking about a life. This is talking about every day. This is talking about how we see things. 
Okay, I'm saying all of that, but I want to make a connection here. There's a parallel scripture, the Apostle Paul, talking about the exact same subject that we find over in Colossians 3.16. I want you to look there. Look over to Colossians 3.16. Paul gives a clear command there in Ephesians 5 about being filled with the Spirit. Now notice here, if you would, look at the connection. Look at verse 16, Colossians 3.16. Parallel verses. I would encourage you to, to write down, have those connected in your Bible. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Here we see an equation that is unavoidable. We're going to be filled with the Spirit insofar as we allow the Word of Christ to dwell richly within us. Being filled with the Spirit is connected with us, allowing the Word of Christ to dwell within us richly. Remember, going back to the connection, talking about abiding in Christ, His Word abiding in us. If we're going to be filled with the Spirit, we must allow the Word of Christ to dwell within us richly. And our spiritual responsibility is this. We must let the Word into our minds. It doesn't just get there by osmosis. I remember when I was in, I think I was in 8th grade. I was struggling in 8th grade. My dad helped me through 8th grade, though. He didn't tutor me very well. He well, he tutored me in other ways because I wasn't really paying attention in eighth grade. But I, I remember trying this. Tomorrow's the, the, uh, the exam. I'm going to put the book under my pillow and through osmosis be able to... You guys, you're crazy. Yeah, I did that. That didn't work, by the way, just so you know. How many Christians do the same thing, though? They, I don't know why I'm not growing. They don't even get into the Word of God. I don't know why I'm so weak and don't have victory in my life. They don't have a joy. They don't, they're not singing a psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in their life and making melody with their heart. They don't have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. They're not in the Word of God. They're not growing spiritually. They're not producing fruit. And they don't have the Word of God open to, to help them to be able to dwell in Christ. And so we must let the Word of God in our mind. And so what happens if a Christian fails to recognize the importance of daily reading the Bible, of, of praying daily, of, of listening to God through His Word? What's going to happen? I'll tell you what. You're going to not grow. You're not going to bear fruit. You're going to wither on the vine, and you're not going to produce fruit. And so we have to let the, the, the Word influence our wills. We have to let the Word of God have an impact on us. The mind is often a slave to our feelings, and so is our will. And so it should be the aim of every Christian to have his will directed by the will of God. Let me ask you, why do you do what you do in life? Why do you do what you do? And what, what, is, what is your will? What is your purpose for living? What is directing you in your life as, as, as a Christian, as a child of God? What is your will? Our will as a child of God ought to have God's will for our life. And the only way you're ever going to know the will of God is to get into the Word of God. You've got to get into the Word of God. If you're not in the Word of God, it's no wonder you're not in God's will. It's no wonder you're not producing fruit. It's no wonder you're not filled with the Spirit. And when we're in the Word of God, we're abiding in Him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Literally, the Word of God. We have the Word of God right here. 
we get into the Word of God. We allow the Word of God to get into us. And, and if we then obey and we obe obedience, if we're in the Word of God, it's going to lead to a life of obedience. And in turn, it leads to a life of fruitfulness. That's simply what it is. There's so many Christians today that say, boy, I wish I could do more for God. No, you really don't if you're not getting into the Word of God. There's Christians today that say, man, I, I don't want God to put me on a shelf, and yet that's where they're at. They're on the shelf because they're not in the Word of God. They don't have a joy in, in, in their heart. They're not into the Word of God the way that they should. And so I challenge you tonight. Are you growing spiritually? Tonight we've considered some very basic truths concerning spiritual growth. Our growth is dependent upon our relationship with Christ. Are you a child of God? Do you know that you're saved? Have you nailed that down? We draw life from Him. We're totally dependent upon Him for everything. We realize that He is the vine. We are the branches. But our obedience to Him leads to a fruitful life that honors Him. We have to obey what He says. Are you living a life of obedience? Or are you living a life of disobedience? Look at your life. I mean, how do you determine that? Look what you did in the last week. What you did today. The choices that you've made. Are you in Christ? Are you abiding in Him? Once again, going back to what 1 John we saw there as he gave such a great illustration of abiding in Him. In 1 John, um, there we see it. Let me find that verse. 1 John 3.24 And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that we ab he abides in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. In your heart... Are you obeying? Are you living in obedience? Are you in the Word of God? Are you studying the Word of God? Is your will based on God's will for your life? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to know you. Uh, thank you, Lord, for even the times in our life when you have pruned. Lord, you've had to cut away the dead parts Sometimes, Lord, you've had to cut away some things to allow us to grow. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for knowing what's best for our life, being wise. You're our creator. You know what's best. And Lord, I thank you even for the difficult times in life. Lord, as I look back and I see how you've used them. Lord, I pray that you'd be with perhaps those that are here tonight that are going through those times of pruning. Lord, it might be because they, they, they just are going through time. You want them to grow. Lord, perhaps you want them to have their faith be tested and become stronger for you, that they might produce more fruit. But Lord, I pray also tonight that you would challenge our hearts. Lord, if there are those who perhaps are here tonight, and Lord, we're not growing because we're not in your word. We're not obeying your word. We're not directed by your word for your will for our life. Lord, I pray that we would desire to bear fruit for you you be glorified. Lord, we know that it, without Christ, without your power in our life, we can produce no fruit at all. Lord, I pray that we would abide in you and get into your word. Lord, I pray that we would obey your word, that we would truly be a disciple of Christ. With our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, let me ask you, do you know Christ as your Savior? Was there a time and a place in your life when you were born again? You know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven tonight. 
If you know that, and you say, yes, I know I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven, would you just lift your hand up? If that's your testimony tonight, say yes. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless me. Put your hands down. Praise the Lord. That's the foundation. That's the beginning. That's being in Christ. Being saved. And now continuing to be in Christ is getting into the Word of God. Obeying His Word, His commandments. Is God speaking to your heart tonight? Are you growing spiritually? Are you bearing spiritual fruit? I mean, if not, why not? What's hindering your growth? Is God speaking to your heart? See, I believe that God will times of when a person is not bearing fruit, God will use such things in our life. He chastens us and He'll do some pruning and try to get us to wake up and try to get us to producing once again because He loves us. That's God's grace. But if we say no, we continue to say no. Time comes when He puts you on that shelf or that time comes when there's no use of you being here and God takes you home. I don't know about you, but I never want to get to that place where God just has no use for me here. I want to bear fruit. You want to bear fruit? You want God to work in your life? You want God to be glorified? The key is being filled with the Spirit. Getting into the Word of God and allowing God's Word to transform your heart. Obeying God's will for your life. Has God spoken to you tonight? There might be something that specifically God is saying right now to your heart. Would you listen to Him? Something you need to get rid of. It might be that God right now is trying to console your heart. You're going through that difficult time of pruning in your life. And maybe you could say, why God? And God, He's not convicting you, but He's assuring you that He's in control. Would you just trust in Him? Get your eyes out of that storm, off that storm, but get them on the Lord. Lord, I pray you'd move in this invitation. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would be filled by your Spirit. Lord, that we would grow spiritually, true disciples. Challenge our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I invite you. Has God spoken to your heart tonight? Would you respond? Would you ask Him to help you grow? Would you offer your life to him and say, Lord, whatever it takes. You're going through that difficult time right now, pruning. Would you say, Lord, I trust you. I'm keeping my eyes on you, Lord. Lord, use it for your glory.